Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. This week's no exception as we roll into episode 234. Yeah, a one, two, a one, two, three, four, music. Music. This is off the back of last week's episode, two, three, three. I peaked. <laughs> we were looking at our favourite film scores and themes and anthems from movies, original scores. Naturally, a lot of John Williams taught last week. I think it's fair to say that it was universally praised and loved by everyone. We did get some positive feedback. We did. Unless. We, unless. We rightfully, Alan Rickles did message us saying we forgot to discuss the James Bond theme. Oh my theme. God, it, Alan Rickles. Great fan. He gets in touch all the time. I'm a huge fan of listening about how great I am. So I love Alan Rickles normally. Mm. I'm just saying now, he says, how dare you miss out on Beetlejuice, Blade Runner, and the Bond theme. And I just say to him, yeah, fair point. You're yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah probably yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah proper, proper fucked over that last week, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> proper well, screwed the pooch. <laughs> the whole idea last week was our top five uh, themes. So naturally we didn't get onto Bond, but Bond Bond out of that list. I mean, the Beetlejuice theme, yeah, great. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the Tim Burton and collaborations with... Yeah, exactly. um, with what's his chops? Elfman. Danny Elfman, you yeah. You love a bit of Danny Elfman. I do, I do. You would say that he probably rivals John Williams as, as top dollar in your mind. Whimsical charm and melody. He's, he's a composer that allows instruments to come to the forefront. You look at the Simpsons theme, that whole theme that he's developed there is about allowing instruments to come to the forefront to, to use <laughs> motif and melody and then sweep back into the main composition. Danny Elfman's very, very good. Beetlejuice, yeah, I didn't talk about that one last week, but it's good call, good shout. There are, there are loads we didn't talk about. I, I feel like I didn't step up the corner about the Terminator theme, and I just love it. It's, <laughs> playing, it's been playing in my head for a week now. It, and everywhere you go, someone's got their own opinions. That's great. Get in touch. Let us know your yeah. top three. F- for God's sake, don't take our word for gospel. But it was a good <laughs> idea <laughs> last week to talk about favourite themes within music. And I think, rightfully, I mean, I crowned films, uh, so scores such as the Harry Potter theme to Hedwig's theme, um, obviously the Star Wars main theme, Indiana yeah. Jones, you know, Raiders of the Lost Art theme. They, they were the kind of the, the ones that for me were the top. You threw in a right wild card with Robocop. Underrated though. I said underrated. I only had a top three and I had my special mention and an underrated. And I still, if your theme music is better then the actual character's based around. That's got to be some epic music, surely. Like, you're watching Robocop, you're humming along, dum-dum-dum-dum-dum. You don't give a flying hell what happens to Murphy. He can get shot more. <laughs> you just like, I don't think he could have got shot more. <laughs> you're just like, when's the music play? <laughs> when's, when's that bit? When's he try to shoot a kid in the third one? <laughs> No more Robocop, James. All right? Say every week. No yeah, every week. Robocop. This isn't going to become a Robocop podcast. Um, no, but this this week is, is a really interesting one. Off the back of that, following into this week, we're looking at soundtrack movies. So movies that use popular pop music or whatever it is that uh, is, is um, around at that time or helps to influence the scene or give style or composition again to a certain film. We're looking at uh, pop songs or or re- fully recorded artists' use of music within film and some of the best scenes. So right off the bat, stuck in the middle of you, Steelers Wheels. To me, that's all about cutting off a dude's ear. Yeah, Reservoir you, Dogs. Do you do you ever see yourself? So let's let's get one thing straight. And I, we don't do this enough. We don't really talk outside this podcast on the podcast. But mm. you're a pretty big deal now, mate. BBC introducing eyes. You're in a band. Oh God. No, no, no. I'm, so Le- Levere, yeah, they're getting big. You're doing you're doing gigs mm. and you're having fun. Mm. How awesome must it be? I know you don't actually know the answer to this, <laughs> so it's kind of a slap. But you're an artist, and your music's going to play on the big screen. 
and it's going to be the fundamental. But then they go, oh, what's going to happen when I was playing? Oh, he's going to cut his ear off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Brilliant. I, I, I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, when I write and play music, that, that my goal is to get some music in a film or a TV show or yeah, something. Just, that, just, that's, that's what I'm after. I want to be known as the nonce's murder music. <laughs> it's like every then, time one I, gets murdered. But I would have to have that conversation where if they were like, we wanted to use your music in a film, and I would need to... Is that Adam in Sandler? Nah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, the payroll is big. If you look at when Kevin Smith did the movie Tusk, a B-movie horror film uh, about a podcast that gets turned into a walrus, that's no joke. That is that film. Um, he wanted Smith's to use, weird. I know. He wanted to use Tusk by Fleetwood Mac in his uh, as the music at the end of the film when because the, when the cast the, is great. it's the only song that could do because Boy turned into Tusk was already taken yeah yeah, yeah the walrus song <laughs> wasn't available I um, am the walrus but the uh, but Tusk so Fleetwood Mac were charging 80 grand for the use of their song and, yeah, the, and then the royalties on top of that because because this is how the conversation went so they went oh so what, what's the film about well, you kind of have to use our song. And that, and that is exactly <laughs> yes. what happens. What's the film about? Well, it's about a guy who gets stitched into a walrus skin. Nah, we don't want our song associated with it. But, you know, I, I think I think what a cool thing to do as an artist is to have your song, you know, synonymous with with a film. You look at some examples like Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. She hated that song. That, that version that you hear on that film and with that, uh, she won an Oscar for Best Original Music for that year. And she sang it in two takes and then went, this song's crap. And mm. then left it, and then it's come into one of her biggest hits. Yeah, and I assume because Celine um, Dion's obviously so integral as an artist, she threw that threw that Oscar away and refused to cash any of those. Tricks, Completely, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she rocked it then, did well, she? Well, <laughs> look at what Whitney Houston did with Dolly Parton's "My Heart Will Go." Um, no, uh, I'll always love you. Yeah. You know, in the Bodyguard again, a song that is far superior to that movie, James. <laughs> I'm going to sure? say it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I am. Will Smith's Wild Wild West, much better than that film, but that wouldn't be difficult. Hold <laughs> <laughs> your tunes now. That wouldn't be difficult. <laughs> I like Will Smith when he was in that bef- the pre-slapping stage. Yeah, yeah. When he was like, "I'll do the film. I'll, I'll do a song." There's no the, one's asking for that. There's, Will, there's, there's the four <laughs> stages of Smith. Everyone goes through him. It's trying to break out TV because not a lot of people do, and he did successfully. Mm. PG era. Then he did like action hero A lister. And then there was pre-slap Chris, Chris Rock, your career's kind of dead. Yeah, and now there's turning that what is supposedly some of his best work, but no one's going to go watch yeah, it. no one gives a shit. But, <laughs> you know when Nicholas Wilson was like, Men in Black, I'll do the theme tune. <laughs> Wild Wild West, I'll do, do the, the theme, theme tune. tune. Bad the Boys, tune. I'll do the theme tune. I'm still waiting for that iRobot song, though. It's never coming, is it? What do you think would be the most inappropriate? Will, will you, <laughs> so, what's the one he did about he went into space with his son? Oh, uh, After Earth. How would that go? <laughs> After Earth, I left you to die on a planet. I don't and know, the I, didn't, of, I didn't finish that film, so I don't know how the, the audience ends. would have gone, it should have. <laughs> should have. But I, I, it's an interesting one, because where his scores are supposed to be subtle and sometimes daring and actually commanding, the point of a score is to add, as we talked about last week, the emphasis the, is to help the viewer, to guide the, the viewer through an emotional scene, to help develop a character, to help build tension, suspense, whatever it is, you know, the scores are best when they're subtle but god when they're outlandish they're brilliant and that's what we talked about last week the kind of the standout ones the ones that dare to be brave to go above the actors and the directors and say fucking hold my beer and listen to this piece of music we celebrated that last week this week when you've got the use of uh, artist material in films it's dangerous because it can break you out of a scene or you know depending on what the film is you look at recently we had the Joker movie which again is another Oscar movie um, that had Gary Glitter's 
yeah. soundtrack as he's dancing down the stairs. The stairs, very controversial use of a of a known paedophile and using his music uh, in that film. It can take people out of a film and out of a scene where they're like, they're fucking using this in this scene. There are there were other choices. I remember someone saying, "Oh, because it sets the mood." I was like, "Does, does it?" <laughs> listen to the song. Listen to the history. Mm. Pick a different song. Yeah, and, and it's um, it's interesting. Obviously, Tarantino's uh, famous for his use of music and um, bringing in all different styles of music into his movies in films as well, where it doesn't suit or doesn't match the genre. So he'll use modern music in you know, films that are um, not depicted at that same time or that same era. And it doesn't matter because it's more about what the music emotes at that time supports the scene that he's doing. So it's really interesting. I think sometimes when it works, it works brilliantly. You know, you think of a film like Ghost, again, with the Righteous Brothers, you know, tracking that film. I know, James, you're a huge music fan, so I imagine I mean, I a lot of today you just could be looking at me. I know like, what you're about, yeah. You know, I've, that, I've got my list of, of, of films that... Mate, the pottery wheel scene is that's all I wanted to talk about today. Exactly. But I come from a, a different place. Is as an artist called Brett Denon, and I listened to him. And the first opportunity I ever heard of him was on an episode of House. I love Greg Laswell. He's song Scrubs. Play- oh, it's Scrubs. He's, um, and and, and uh, Colin it, Hayes, obviously. From Colin Scrubs, Hayes but. from Scrubs. And I remember I heard Greg uh, Laswell from the scene when. I can't remember the character's name because I don't watch Grey's Anatomy anymore. But the, when the young man dies, it's a it's a it's a, a Greg Lanswell song that plays in the background. It's so fitting. It's called Come, "Not Comes and Goes in Waves," but "Off I Go." It's a brilliant song. Off I go, yeah, it's a good. Song. And there are all these fantastic songs that I actually learned through other forms of media because mm. I would never sit on Spotify and just go through these things. I this is how a lot of people experience music nowadays is through the medium of film. I hear a song and I best app for this Shazam. You're on Netflix. You're watching a film. You're a banging piece of music go to this. But also, the way they use music now is manipulative. And I've noticed in the growing, in the last 10 years, a licensed song was something that you kind of, one of the most famous scenes is, is Wayne's World, Bohemian Rhapsody, the headbanging. It's one of the all-time scenes. No other song would have worked in that situation because they tried. I'm sure they settled on, it has to be Queen Bohemian Rhapsody because it's the only song that fits into the aesthetic. It's the song that's worshipped by these rockers. This is the song that they need. But then they kind of, morph that now and they use it to subtly hide things and what I'm talking about is here I'm talking about the Suicide Squad trailer the original the mm. first one that first trailer that got everyone buzzing if you said you weren't buzzing for that you're a liar but we didn't hear any dialogue we saw stills of uh, moving and they covered it with a rock song that was just playing and you loved it you were jazzed up you jizzed up you wanted it you wanted it now you didn't want to wait six months you wanted to hear it and the music masked it because you were you, it was pulling you in with the nostalgia of this Queen song it's like you love Queen here's Harley Quinn Here's Killer Croc. It's going to be shit, but you don't know that yet. And so it's kind of, it's weird how it's changed. It's, it was very rarely heard of in the film. And now they use it to sell the film. It's, it's going, going even further. Prince on the Batman theme, uh, the Batman soundtrack, uh, Iron Maiden with Iron Man. Now they become like these huge juggernauts of- ACDC of, with Iron Man. Oh, I apologise. That's, that's what I'm here for tonight, this week. Oh God, it's really obvious. I don't know what I'm talking about, isn't it? But what, no. what I'm saying is, is it that there's a meld now. It would, it very rarely used to happen, and now it's, it's, now it's. We want money, give us money, <laughs> which is, which is weird because the rest of us are like that. It's, it's all come by ours and throwing rocks. I did, I did, I did, I did just say it's ACDC. It's not. It's Black Sabbath. I just wanted to see if you corrected my correction. It's Black Sabbath for the Iron Man. But no, I, I, you're right. I, knew I mean. That. The be- I think the best use of music in a 
in a trailer for me has always been the Punisher trailer. When the Punisher came out with John Berthenau and that, they used a piece of music, uh, so it's won by Metallica, and that song builds to a heavy bridge where this double foot pedal comes in and it's like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun, 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 dun. And they sync that with gunshots from the Punisher That's trailer. That's brilliant. I do love and that. And I was like, fuck, this is that, that to me, you know, as, as a fan of the Tom Jane Punisher movie. The non-Punisher movie. That's a Punisher movie. Yeah, they're just the revenge film <laughs> that they somehow said was a Punisher movie. Well, place, if you watch John Bethnal as the Punisher, he would never buy a fake fire hydrant, steal a car, park in front of it <laughs> so they get to it. Because that's not very Punishery. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird when you... <laughs> I want you to watch that film through John Bethnal's eyes and go, why would you do this? Why would you manipulate it so John Travolta doesn't like his wife anymore? He would shoot them in the head. <laughs> And then leave. The, the, the other thing that uh, music does really well in, or the use of music that I do like, and it, it is used a bit to death, is but it's when you take a classic song that you know, Ooh. tends to be something from maybe the 60s, you know, or, or, the, or the 70s, something that is used usually in a uplifting song, and they strip it back, add the reverb and slow it down slightly. And particularly in horror and thrillers, when they use music in that uh, context, what it does is it creates a it creates a conflict in the viewer's, um, yeah, you, you know, senses because you, you know see, that I- song, you know. So like Mr. Sandman's one of those that always gets used in this context where you know someone's going into a dream, a horror movie, or whatever it is, um, and they strip away the music and it's just the words slowed down slightly with a bit of echo, delay, and reverb, and all of a sudden it becomes very haunting. But you're watching it going, yeah, but that's a jolly song, and and you've you've manipulated it. So my sense is now I'm vulnerable to what's about to happen. And there was a big, that really came for me. I noticed that a lot after 2010, because there was the other side of that is that, that era of 2000, 2010, when new metal was in a lot of films oh, yeah, yeah, and it was unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, every song right. ended with Linkin Park or Limp Biscuit or something like that. Yep. And I don't, I don't mind new metal. I mean, I like corn and bands like that, but you know, when they were everywhere. Yeah. And they were always, it was, it was in the, before, before like shared universes. So it'd be like Daredevil in the fucking rain. It's Ben Affleck. It's raining. Fucking Evanescence is playing. Oh, and then you watch another one. It's Batman. Oh, Evanescence is playing. Oh, look, it's Superman. Evanescence is playing. Mm. Learn a different song. Well, talking on that, we've got some examples and if you're listening to this at home, do let us know your example, uh, your favourite use of music in film that makes us, where the music and the scene become synonymous with one another. That's really what we're looking at today. Um, or a certain song being associated with a particular film. Some of your favourites, do let us know. Of course, like last week, we won't be able to cover everything because we're only human and um, we're both idiots, really. Yeah. But um, we will go through some. So the first one I want to bring to the table was Hip to be Square. Huey Lewis in the news, used perfectly in the movie Psycho from 2000, when you had Batman killing the Joker of, uh, what's it, Christian Bale and Jared Leto. Or did he? I don't know. Mystery. Ooh, film's crazy. Yep. American Psycho. Hip to be square is the greatest. It's because it fits perfectly. So I haven't read the book. It's the monologue that Patrick Bateman gets on whilst this song is playing, almost with this kind of, Hatred as Batman opens his <laughs> opens it, it it fits in perfectly because it's also about the generation. So he's a Wall Street man, isn't he? He's full of the monies, and then this guy supplanting him. He's rich. He's cool. He's better. He's got a better business card. And the song he's playing is hip to be. It's it's weird. And then he cuts him up. But he's screaming, "Now nah, try and get a reservation at Dorsey and now you fuck." Good use of an to axe. be square. It's so beautifully played. It's it's quite possibly the best example of of. 
someone snapping with this song playing is I do, fantastic. I do like the little jiggle that he gives when yeah. he puts it on. Yes. And Joe Lowe's character is that high and drunk and whatever. He's not listening to what he's so talking about. And you get a little cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't notice that he's putting on a wetsuit yeah. <laughs> in overalls and stuff. And he's talking about how he thinks like the second album, the sophomore album was better and all that kind of dialogue that he's got. And then he swings an axe. It is a scene where now, whenever I hear that, much like, I mean, the other example, obviously, Huey Lewis and the News is in Back to the Future. Yeah. You know, um, Power of Love, you know, is the other, I think any time I hear that song, I'm like, fucking 80s movies. Every time I hear that song, I assume I'm late for school. Yeah. I, I'm nearly 40. <laughs> just like, I'm late for school. But those, those jump out and uh, do you want to go one each or do you want to just keep going oh. and then... I'll I'll hit you with these purely because I didn't realise I heard this song I heard this song on the radio or, or on a YouTube channel or somewhere I was trying to work out <coughs> I can't get out of my head you might disagree but I think it's iconic when we see credits rolling for a film that I didn't think was particularly good um, Bob Dylan The Times They Are Changing from oh, The Watchmen but it's whilst we're seeing alternative history and yeah. I know it's really on the nose The Times Are Changing yeah they are yeah they really are changing mm. but it's a powerful song with the motif of seeing Batman's parents being saved, so there's no need for Batman, like the the superhero stopping the Vietnam Vietnam War. It's really weird, you know, a third election for originally times are changing. It's a powerful song about society, and we're watching it unfold in like a very small three minute segment. I, I think it's iconic. I, I don't think you can think of the song without thinking of this powerful opening. Unfortunately, yeah. peaked. <laughs> but peaked with the song in the opening credits. Well, I think Watchmen is a, is an interesting watch and something that I think we will have to revisit at some point because I've memories of it and I know Alan Moore wasn't happy with the the lack of squid at the end of that um, film yes but there's um, there is another cut which is something like shockingly six hours long Christ but there's, it goes into little details around the comic books that I really like and it must be really interesting to watch purely because because superheroes are real the comic books are about pirates mm. and things like that I just think that's really cool and I, do, I think Watchmen is the only comic book still in the top 50 of Best America's um, top 50 uh, American writing or whatever it is yeah, or... Citizen Kane of but I, I always think that one Bob Dylan's Times Are Changing is a powerful song. Uh, second favourite Bob Dylan song, that. It, it was uh, Tombstone Blues was my oh, favourite, yeah. but I, I do think uh, that song is, yeah, that's like anyone who takes a gap year, you know, that's the song they put over their highlight reel. Yeah. It's just such a good song. Uh, yeah, when I really, you think you can play the guitar and then you realise mm, you can't. <laughs> I can I'll serenade you after the show. <laughs> um, you never can tell, Chuck Berry. The obvious Chuck Berry song would have obviously been... Um, What's it called? Johnny Be Good. Yeah. Um, again, could have gone back to the future I was with that. Say, Johnny, Johnny Be Good, back to the future. It's a sensitive thing here. Maybe yeah. back to the future is already you guys, just, top. you're not ready for it yet, but you will. <laughs> you know, but now I mean, you, you can never can tell Pulp Fiction, dance scene, dinosaur scene. Yes. After some great dialogue between John Travolta and Uma Thurman, they get up to dance to win the contest. Um, yeah, it's just, again, it's one of them scenes. In a, in a film that is otherwise quite violent, quite bloody, you know, in the centre of this movie, it slows down. For a dance sequence, you know, after after Tarantino flexing his, you know, writing muscles in that booth scene, you know, where they're talking about a $10 milkshake or whatever it is, you know, and it's just, I don't know, there's just something about it. Anytime I hear that song, I'm always going to think of John Travolta taking his shoes off so he can slide on the floor a little bit better. <laughs> um, John Travolta's weird, isn't he? <laughs> he is, yeah. But I did see a video earlier of someone stripped away all the music from Grease Lightning, so it's just him singing. I've seen that. And it's it's really bad, isn't it? it it's is cringy. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, but also, also it, it never helps that when you actually listen to the words that the character's saying that, they're, they're fucking wrong. <laughs> they're the heroes. I, I, 
also, just just to say, we're not going to talk about musicals. That's no. not, not not what today's uh, episode. We've done musicals. Uh, reluctantly, we did musicals. <laughs> we did. We'll not never go, we'll not never my go forte. Back. Some would say nothing is my forte. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so you, you you went with a good one, mate. What if I told you about small British film? Probably never heard of it. Small band, you probably never heard of them. Don't stop me now. Oh, We'll never be topped when we hear it. When survivors of a zombie apocalypse mm. battering the shit out of someone in the middle of a pub. Yeah. I mean, and they do it in tune, which is part of the joke. And what I really like about it is they make the music part of the joke. Mm. The jukebox starts playing Don't Stop Me Now by Queen because it's stuck. The zombies come in. Naturally, our heroes start beating in tune. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's synced. Fucking hilarious. The, the, the tempo funny. of the hits. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a great use of a song in an otherwise kind of gory moment yeah. of that movie. <laughs> And Edgar Wright's, you know, that is Edgar Wright, isn't it? It, it, is. it? Again, comes from, I think, I believe from a music video background, did do a few music videos before he got into films. A lot of his use of music. I mean, that Last Night in Soho movie, it, yeah, you know, a great that. soundtrack for like that. Um, Baby Driver is one of those that it, swings to mind as well. A movie that is on the beat, you know, the way it moves, the car sounds, you know, the footsteps is on the beat to the music. There's a there's a gun shootout scene in that, which is the same. It's everything's on the tempo, you know, of the of the songs that are playing. Well, also the the music's integral to that. He needs to listen to the songs because that's how he organizes his life. He's in tune. It's almost like he's a walking metronome, and everything the main character Baby has to do is via music, mm. and he has to survive real life villain. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Judge the man, one. not the work. Yes, there you go. But that's um that's Edgar Wright. We're obviously going to talk about all of his films mm. with the music. I mean, one of my favourites soundtracks, official music, is uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's it's great. I th- I think Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is one of the most is quite possibly one of the most underrated films like, ever. I talk about it like it's a monument, it's a great film, and everyone's like, it was right. It's one of those films. There's a massive divide, and music is a big part of that. I, th- I think. I think the music in. I think Scott Pilgrim's a cult movie. I think everyone. Yeah, probably. Maybe, maybe, maybe I you just know. haven't seen him. Maybe you just haven't seen him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think. Um, oh, I had a trailer in my head then. He was talking about Edgar Wright, and there's a. It will come back to me. Um, I've already said at the top of the episode, but Unchained Melody, The Righteous Brothers, 1990s Ghost. I don't think there's anyone that's ever been to a pottery class that's not had that song in their head. Yeah, but I imagine the pottery teacher. Fucking not in the mood for your shit. It's like, no, no, no. You start mm. humming it, you're out. Uh, it's not It's not a uh, song I particularly like. Maybe because I grew up on the uh, Robson and Jerome, Gareth Gates versions of the songs. You've just turned off all of our listeners. <laughs> and me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, James. I turn you on every week. <laughs> well, it's your turn. Hit me with one. That was it, Righteous Brothers. Oh, sorry. I apologise. Well, then... I'm going to hit you with one of my favourite films of all time. No other song would ever fit when Saddam Hussein is giving you bowling shoes and you've been knocked the fuck out. It's time to see what... Just check, just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in by the first edition, The Big Lebowski. Mm. In a dream sequence where he's a, there's a Viking bowler, he pervs on some ladies, he gets bowled himself. Like I said, Saddam Hussein, shining your boots. It's fucking surreal, but only this song will do. And I urge you to try and... Listen to that song without seeing that sequence. They are bread and butter. You cannot be indistinguished from each other. One doesn't exist without the other. Harry Potter and Voldemort. Mm. There you go. With that, um, that, that, that's the scene as well, isn't it? Julian Moore, where she's pregnant and she didn't yes. tell him where they were filming it and it, it required all the high wire work and the suspension and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and she was a couple of months along, wasn't she, at the time? 
to that sequence. Just mm. throwing more trivia in there, in case yeah. someone's listening to this on the bus thinking, I've got a movie quiz this weekend and I need some <laughs> questions. There you go. <laughs> Slap that one in there. Um, what about uh, a film A film that, again, I thought had a real good stomping soundtrack, Trainspotting. If we look at Danny Boyle's Trainspotting movie. Now, I've gone with Lou Reed's Perfect Day. Yeah, when it's not. It's not. I mean, it's obviously choose life, choose a cheese sandwich, choose a yeah. Obviously, yeah. But I, I thought I'd go with Perfect Day, the Lou Reed version because Lou Reed was a really weird artist, not not someone whose catalogue I've ever really fully invested in. But as a metalhead growing up, I did listen to a lot of the Metallica Lou Reed crossover, which is, honest to God, dog shit. <laughs> but um, again, if any musos uh, listen to this, any people that are into music, Lou Reed had this thing where. As a guitarist, or with uh, he, he used to do this thing called ostrich tuning, which is where you tune every guitar, guitar string into the same note. Why? And uh, exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, oh, and the reason why I brought Lou Reed into this is because every time I think about Lou Reed, I get more into Leonard Cohen, and then I remember how much I love the soundtrack to True Detective. Yeah, season I think it was season two when they used Lou Reed on that. It is, it? but it's unfortunately um, uh, Leonard Cohen. Yeah, it's not the it's not the best one. That's the problem. It's not Hallelujah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was uh, <laughs> there was Leonard Cohen via Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I do you know what we I've talked about these ones that's synonymous. They're brilliant. I don't even want to bring this one, but when we were thinking of it, I, it immediately jumped in my head. So we're talking about these really cool links that you know I, I talked about. Don't stop me now. It's it's into the beat, so it's kind of integral to the storyline. When Starman plays at the end of The Martian. <laughs> It's really cool because he was the star man. <laughs> Finn. <laughs> I just really like it. One, I like David Bowie. And uh, as if, if we talk about the whole, there's the, obviously Perks Being a Warflower, which is a great soundtrack. Mm. It's got some cracking and it's got changes by David Bowie. I love David Bowie. I think he's phenomenal. He's brilliant. But he's really star man. As everything's really happily after they saved mm. Matt Damon. I'll be honest. Yes. Nothing. You couldn't put, well, to be fair, you could put Rocket Man. <laughs> Rocky Man would have worked. It's uh, it's interesting because w- when I think of that, I, I then also segue into things like Guardians of the Galaxy. In that, Guardians of the Galaxy was a, as a film, had that awesome soundtrack, um, that James Gunn soundtrack. And what I liked about it is it, it carried, it, it it became part of that group, you know, that troop yeah. of space pirates. You know, in their movies, you know, they had the great soundtrack, and then when they then merged into. Um, Infinity War and Endgame the only the only music in Endgame I believe it is that's not a score is it's Rubber big, Band Man yeah. and it's when they come in and it's because again it's Quill Peter Quill's uh, headphones that, that we're listening through and you know in the soundtrack of his life is you know what he took off world with him I discovered some amazing songs through those soundtracks they're my favourite mm. soundtracks purely because I was able to listen to these songs that I've always heard and I was like oh what was the yeah. name of that but I haven't heard for, for so long Guys of the Galaxy have some of the best soundtracks yeah, because it made me love that era of music again. The greatest gift that ever I got from a film in terms of taking a song that I hadn't heard, seeing it in a film, and then going, that is now in my life, is a soundtrack to my life, is Hall & Oates, You Make My Dreams, for 500 Days of Summer, in the surreal dance sequence uh, that J- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, has. That scene, that song... Now I I hear that song all the time being used. You know, it's such a happy, yeah. upbeat, you know, kind of song. It is the morning after song when someone's skipping to go get coffee and bagels. You know, like in uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer. It's <laughs> it's you know you're not. It would be hard to have that over a murder scene. 
<laughs> Try it. I mean, it would happen. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? In that similar vein. Well, this is Freddy Krueger, actually. You make my dreams. Would actually work, actually, in Nightmare on Elm Street. Sold. <laughs> Here's something a bit different. It's actually not, it's not a bad song. It's a good song. We all like it. It's from Sonny and Cher. I got you, babe. I got you, babe, yeah. But the thing is, it's when you hear it once, it's good. But imagine hearing it every day for the rest of oh, your Groundhog life. Groundhog Day. Groundhog mm. Day. It's the music that plays at the beginning when Bill Murray wakes up reliving his life and it's the first thing he hears. And as we go through that process with him, it has to be a song that's not bad, mm. but you could see why a thousand million <laughs> days later it would grind your tits in yeah. and make you want to murder people. I got you, babe, by Cher. It, it's the right sort of annoying mm. after so many listens. I think that's brilliant. It's such a great choice. I think... Uh, the only way to go from that is every year, what you might not know, listeners, every year uh, James and I dress up for Halloween as um, Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. And uh, Sound of Silence is, mm. is you know, we, we serenade each other with that. And and the graduate, obviously, uh, Dustin Hoffman's, I want to say crowning achievement because it, I, I do love that movie. I talk to say. I do like to see as well, actually. I mean, Touche, yeah. I sometimes, I, sometimes I just prefer to talk to mate. I also... I also lean in, listeners. Yeah, quite like Meet, meet the Fockers. <gasps> I quite you're like it because Dustin Hoffman's in it. You're on your own. <laughs> I could do without Barbara Streisand. Right? <laughs> Don't need that bit. But do quite like Dustin. All the presidents, man. No, not interested in any of that. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know all that stuff. Like he was like, oh, Kung he's Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> you're right, James. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All the stuff he was like famous wasn't that fucking. No, no, no. yeah, yeah, no. Just, I think Justin Hoffman's got it. You know, he's definitely up and coming. Oh, he's when he plays like Crane. Is he the Crane in Kung Fu Panda? No, he's the he's the main uh, sensei, isn't he? He's the I main trainer. A, oh, I thought it was a Crane. I thought it was like a weird mouse thing. Do you? Know, I just realised I don't care. <laughs> I don't, um, but weirdly, I think you're right, and I kind of hate you for it. But Miss Robinson <laughs> is probably the 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 better Simon and Garfunkel song, which again is more uplifting, more upbeat. Um, brilliant use of that song in that film. So Simon and Garfunkel get a mention this week from me. Um, I'm going to have to mention, I did mention at the beginning, I'm going Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen is one of the best ones. No other music would work. Apparently they tried, didn't feel right. When you're making a film about rocking underachievers that love and worship at the idol of rock and roll music that stars people like Van Halen or uh, Tommy, not Tommy Cooper, Alice Cooper, there is only one crowning Pierre de la Resistance. You must headbang and worship at the altar of rock it is Queen and it is Bohemian Rhapsody mm. no other film no other song would do I remember seeing that scene before I saw Wayne's World yeah it's, it's an iconic scene and also if you're in the car and that song comes oh, on you, you're doing you headbang yeah, so it's weird it. that this film that's, that ages terribly like when I watched it like last year shit is it? I, I'm revisiting in years. The only the, the jokes that really stand true because of how obvious it now is the joke about product placement Mm, <laughs> like yeah. that bit that whole sequence you're like oh you couldn't do that now it, so you, you you look at it now and you're like oh my god mm. it's so obvious but other than that it's a bit weird is that, the, is that the village people one or is that the sequel Wayne's World the second one no it's the first but, one is it the first one where yeah, they're all dressed it, up and then they all get on stage and the YMCA starts playing yeah no no that's the second one the first that's the second one because he's he can see the imaginary <clears throat> Indian that's it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's no, the one. It's the first one is when they uh, when they start taking the piss out of the sponsor of the show that Rob Lowe's given them. And they say, we won't bow to any co- we won't bow to any sponsors. And it's like, you look like what a headache. Mm. Have one of these. <laughs> Wash it down with a Pepsi. I'm going to uh, hopefully please Alan Rickles this week Ooh. by mentioning Beetlejuice. You should. In a weird way. Oh, I know what's like. Yeah, yeah, the Deo Banana Boat song uh, in the weird scene... 
in Beetlejuice where they do try and scare the family out and the um, the, the clairvoyance and everyone else who's in at the dinner party when the shrimps come to life, essentially. <laughs> and it, it's a really weird climax to that movie, which then obviously we get the better scenes when Beetlejuice comes into it. But yeah, it, it that scene kind of takes you out of the film slightly as that song plays. But now whenever that song comes on, give it credit. I do think of that scene. I do think of shrimp hands. <laughs> this is like the other week. Shrimp hands. The other week we talked about chlorans for the rock. Why is, why is, <clears throat> why is shrimp or sea crustacean arms a regular guest on our show now? <laughs> anyway, um, that's great and everything. And all these films are kind of indie or they make sense. How about if we were to just have a balls to the wall action film with bending the world of reality and we just played a song that clubbed to death by Rob Dugan in the film The Fucking Matrix and then after that every action film mm. ever made The Matrix is a good call actually because The Matrix I'd like had to... Marilyn Manson's Rock is Dead on that it did it also <clears throat> is the first time I heard Do Hast by Ramstein. yeah that was a good soundtrack actually it's actually one of my favourite it's one it's a soundtrack I definitely mm. bought because it's one of my favourite there's so much on there and it, it was really eclectic it does have these dance music it has this rock music it has some tranquil things that soundtrack is genuinely mm. brilliant the only downside is it got me <clears> so excited for the sequel that I actually bought the soundtrack before I saw the film and they just copied it was the same artist but yeah. with just different songs It was. it's like it didn't understand what it was the first time well, Twilight did that Twilight had a they're, they're a, I think I think I'm right in that Twilight's soundtrack was pretty banging, to be fair. Yeah, you've, you know, you've said that before. Yeah, Muse, Supermassive Black Hole had obviously Paramore's Decode on it. Robert Pattinson's even sang a song on that soundtrack. And I and I think they did get a lot of the artists to do the second. Now, I, I never saw the third Twilight movie. Did they split it into two parts? I didn't want... I haven't seen New any Dawn, of them. New Dawn, I saw, I, saw, I saw the one where... No, I didn't see him. Yeah, we're going to have to do that at some point. We're going to have to do the Twilight movies at some point. <laughs> We're on the quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I, I, I can say for some time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's only fair. We need to go in with it objectively as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Although I don't really hold <laughs> the first hope. movie in much hope. Which was the one with the baseball scene? Is that that first one? That's the second one. No, because in the first one, she only finds out he's it a vampire the in the one. end. It is the second sparkles. one. Sparkles. In the second one, fuck me. I'm so not happy with this because I must have seen them. At the baseball scene, she gets hurt. Yeah. And Jasper, one of the people there, tries to eat her. Mm. And I, as an audience member, let her. <laughs> let him. Let him rip her apart. It will serve her right for bleeding. I, I saw a video online where it was like, just re-watch it and just re-watch that baseball scene and how bad it is. Like <laughs> It's like none of them have ever played baseball in their life. Anna Kendrick doesn't even remember that she was in him. I know, I like, never but, forget that. But that, that, that's why I love that lady. Yeah. She's a national treasure. She is. Look after America. And if you don't, we'll have her. Mm. We would adopt her, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Well, we could trade her. Who would we trade her for? It's got to be a good deal, isn't it? Well, in this country, we will never get rid of David Jason. He's no. He's God's tier. Mm, maybe Danny Dyer? Danny Dyer's a weird Danny one. Danny Dyer and in, no, Kendrick I, aren't the same no, I, no, I think Danny Dyer, though, has wormed his way in. And not in a bad way. I like Danny Dyer because he's, he's so... He don't try... You know, he, mm. he does. He he goes into an acting studio. You don't go. I'm not going to be the best one here. I can do an accent, and I can kind of be a dick. And he doesn't go out of his wheelhouse, and I respect mm. that. Not like The Rock, who thinks he can act. That's right. I'm putting on a pedestal The Rock, and opposite him, I'm putting Danny Dyer. I will swap. I will swap Anna Kendrick for Jason Statham. I'll tell you that deal. I think. I think if we were to, you know, so Jason Statham 
Because he's basically American now, isn't he? Yeah. If you need a bald-headed a Cockney <laughs> gangster in your film, you get Statham. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. I yeah. think that's a fair trade. I think that's a fair trade. America, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Born to be wild, Stephen Wolf, Easy Rider. It, you can't, I mean, it's synonymous with that it film. It is synonymous. It is. It is, you, again. <coughs> you Could Be Mine, uh, Guns N' Roses. I, that's a, another song. I, I was quite a Guns N' Roses fan growing up. Terminator 2, you know, the whole scene when um, they get the dirt bike and they go, you know, they're on the way to the arcade and he's got the, he just robs the... Uh, ATM. The ATM, yeah. The fucking computers are stupid, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> easy money. And he jumps on the back of the bike, then they high five and they're like, yeah, come on, let's go. And then he's got a boombox and he's playing... That and, and apparently Schwarzenegger was that pleased with the song. He gave the whole of Guns N' Roses leather jackets afterwards. That's quite the gift. That's weird. And he was in the music video. Was he playing the Terminator? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I was going to say one of my favourite things. And I don't know if I've actually dreamed it. Is when Hellraiser plays fucking chess with Lemmy in the in the, the film in the song Hellraiser. <laughs> I no, I didn't know that, and I, I don't think that even happened. I think I dreamed that. Now I'm going to go. I'm thinking I'm going to win this right now because it it. It hits all of your examples perfectly. Is it? Oh, I'm going to channel my. I'm going to channel this now, James. Channel it. Is it Twisted Sister? I want to rock from the movie Road Trip. It is. No, fuck no, off. Of course it's not. <laughs> it's, it's a black and white film. We've got Peter Stellars, mate. I'm talking about Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Yeah, yeah. And it is at the end. We're it's over. The nukes have been dropped. Life is over, and as the world settles down to destruction, mm. we get Vera Lynn singing We'll Meet Again in a haunting, beautiful, and yet somehow hilarious mm. ending to a film. It's 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 the perfect song for the end of destruction yeah. of, you know, we've just seen a cowboy ride his nuclear weapon down. <laughs> you know, he literally rides it down as a cowboy, and We'll Meet Again hauntingly plays. The thing is about that song as well, it can play in any situation through an old radio in a video game. You mm. piss your pants. You'd be like, oh no, what's going to happen? I mean, yeah, I, I, Judy Garland with Somewhere with the Rainbow, I suppose you could go similar context. Sure, you know, yeah. I think, it, you know, it, for use in a film, I think... Um, <laughs> if you say the fucking face off, mate, I'm walking out. It's <laughs> what a great, nothing would have worked as the kid stupidly walked out into the middle of a gunfight as, because Judy Garland told him to. <laughs> that was... That was by, by the medium of song. <laughs> we, we talked about this. That that wasn't that version. That was the Olivia Newton-John version. I apologise. To be fair, then, he should have walked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he should have done that. I'm sorry, that's on me. I, we've said a few times about pop music or pop, popular music, whether that be rock, um, you know, metal or, or uh, the more kind of synthetic poppy kind of stuff you've seen film or indie movies, which I'm going to get onto in a moment because, I mean, you look at films like Garden State with Zach Braff. Fucking oh my God, that's on my list. Phenomenal soundtrack, that. Yeah. But let's go for the use of classical music in a film. The Tubular Bells will forever oh, be known. You dirty whore. That's my number Exorcist. one. Oh, is yeah. it? It's, it's, I was building up to it. I, was, it's, it's, I haven't got many left, but you. We can, we, let's go there now. No, I mean, it's, right. it's, what a song. I think. Uh, I, I think for use of that, that is now the theme of the devil. <laughs> that, was, I mean? like, that was on my list of um, films that of songs last week. It was going to be on there, but then as, during the research, I realised it was it was a licensed song. Yeah, which is crazy. It's you're right. It's a song that made for something else, but now when you hear it, you'll think. Hmm, the devil has come to town. <laughs> I'm going to start puking up and 
doing things with a crucifix. And let's not get into it. But, no, let's um, get into it. Let's explore that, James. <laughs> let's explore it. No, 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 there's not. I think we've talked to Esther once. Esther was like, why don't you do uh, The Exorcist on the show? I was like, no, because when we do a play by play, I don't really know how to word that scene. <laughs> she does things. <laughs> I mean, it's scary as piss. And what's weird is, before, if you heard that song, I've heard versions of that song where it sounds fine. Yeah. But one, it's a huge song. It's terrifying. Once mm. you've seen that film, it ruins that song for you. And also ruins crucifixes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing where I'll be like, I'm walking down the street and I've got Spotify on. And, and I'm like, if that came I just, on. I just listen to a bit of Tube of Bells. You know, like, I feel in the mood. I mean, you know. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, the, the other ones that we nearly talked about last week was 2001 Space Odyssey as well, wasn't it? Yes. Where we were saying it, it's not a score. It's the... Um, thus spoke Zafiruster but yeah I mean there are other soundtrack movies that I love Drive is another one that yeah, always springs to mind as a, a you know a, a film that has a, a phenomenal soundtrack that complements you know and adds character to that film uh, brilliantly we haven't even talked about the whole I suppose the genre, uh, the, the seasonal movies, Christmas movies. I mean, yeah. you look at the films, Mariah Carey's fucking All I Want for Christmas or White Christmas. White Christmas is a movie, a, a song that was Oscar winning that the studios knew was going to be a popular hit and it would continue to make money year on year on year on year. But the, the song was originally debuted in Hol uh, Holiday Inn, the film that has quite a bit of blackface in it. Yeah. So then the studio brought out the movie White Christmas and took that song and put it in that film. Because now you can like that song now. Yeah, now it's like, <laughs> oh, we. I feel less guilty about liking White Christmas as a song. But again, it's a song that's fucking everyone knows, you know, it's written for the film, but, you know, it, it is now synonymous with with Christmas movies. And and I suppose you could do that, you know, like you, again, before we talked about Chuck Berry with two of his songs, but... Uh, Run Run Rudolph, you know, is another example of great use of music in film as well. That's the kind of uh, Christmas song that when it comes on, I'm like, yeah, banging. I love that. I love that soon. It's, all of these songs have got a special place in your heart. And uh, for me, I've when I first watched the film The Breakfast Club, the end, when they all write defiantly a letter about what they've learned, but it's not about who what they've learned, it's about what they've learned about each other and how they've grown as people over the space of a Saturday afternoon. Um, and then, you know, Judd Nelson walks out, my salutes in his hair, weirdly a black power salute as he's leaving high school. But never mind, because mm. it's Don't You Forget About Me, playing by <coughs> uh, Simple Minds. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect song. Also, I can guarantee you that teacher forgot about you instantly <laughs> 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 because he's been a teacher for, what, about 60 years? He must have seen about, on average, about 30,000 shoes. He's forgotten about you. Yeah. <laughs> the song only makes me sense. He's done. He's gone, mate. Um... Sorry, the classical music as well. Ride of the Valkyries, Apocalypse Now. Oh, it only about. works. Only works. It can only be that song. Yeah. If that was the rude sandstorm, won't work. <laughs> has to be Ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's a that's a derude that was a pull, pull, mate. Yeah, that was a pull. I like. I quite enjoyed that. Um, it's basically. Do you know what's really fun about music in uh, licensed music? It's never going to end. Mm. There's films being made right now. There's films that you're shouting at the radio or your ID. ID pod, your iPod shuffle phone, whatever. They don't make shuffles anymore. Anyway, you'll be screaming those songs that we've forgotten about because music's a very personal taste. We all listen to music at different times. We listen to music when we're sad or you're like me. I catch my music through the medium of film. I, I very rarely sit down to listen to music. I sit down to watch film and will get my music from that film. So that's mm. usually how, that's how my relationship with music works. You create music. So your music, you come from a standpoint of, you can look at it on like a binary level. How have they made that sound? 
music is so subjective, we all come at it from different angles, a lot like film. When those mediums are interlinked, there are connections we'll never understand. You'll absolutely love Tubular Bells and you'll skip down the road when that plays and you'll go, oh my God, the devil's awesome. <laughs> I will shit my pants, turn it off and throw my phone into the river. <laughs> Because that's the beauty of music. Mm. We've, we, to us, these are the scenes that stand out. I don't think anything will ever replace uh, Forget About Me at the end of... It, it, it fits it perfectly. It's about the act of unification and defiance. Don't forget about me. We struggled this Saturday afternoon. Get a real job, Judd Nelson. Get a real job. <laughs> anyway, there's lots of things. And that's what we're coming to this. And licensed music is brilliant. It's evolved how it's used. It's used to sell you films, whereas back in the day it was the opposite way around. It's awesome, the ever-evolving relationship music has with films and how we experience it. And that's something we should celebrate. There are films being made right now that will make us think of other songs in the future completely differently. Mm. And that's awesome to know. Thank you very much, talented people who work in music and film. And also artists, because not all music exists in film. It is, it is a, an interesting job, isn't it, is being the person who selects the music in a that's film? That's one of the most important things. If you pick the wrong sound, you're done. Mm. And the perfect example is we're going to talk about next week, and I don't, I didn't write it down. The scream theme music is that song where the man just eventually talks, but that's haunting. It's the Nick Cave uh, red hand light or whatever it is red. Yeah, imagine if the Rude Sandstorm had played. <laughs> just wouldn't work, would it? It wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, well, there are there are you know a particular movie that springs to mind with a soundtrack is a is a film like Top Gun. Top Gun gave oh. us Top Gun gave us three things. One. It gave us uh, Take My Breath Away, which is a song I cannot stand. Yes. Any time that song is in a film, particularly Good Top Gum, <laughs> I want to mute it. Yeah. I fucking I can't stand that song. It also gave us the fact that he can he can uh, act, he can do stunts, he can dance, but he can't sing. You lost that <laughs> loving feeling, Tom Cruise. That doesn't work in that scene. And maybe, I mean, a purist might say, well, he's, he, you know, he's, he's a Navy Admiral. He's not meant to be able to sing. <laughs> it, it was, it's true to his character. He can't he, be good at everything. Exactly. And I know he was an admiral. But it also gave us Kenny Loggins' <laughs> yeah. Danger Zone. Out of the fire of hate. <laughs> Came the Loggins. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny Loggins fucking battled for that. You've also got Kenny Loggins in Rocky Four soundtrack. And I know we talked about, obviously, oh the God, Rocky theme. have I not fucking talked about that? But the yeah. easy way out, mate, is one of my... Fuck me. I've, right, shut it all down. The Rocky franchise alone, mate. Fucking Rocky, Rocky Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger, yeah. Fucking... Mate, I don't even know, and I know you're going to tell me, but I will instantly forget, who's the band that, that made famous off this one song? Is it Survivor? I think it is Survivor. And you know what's best about them is they knew that they were a one-hit wonder, came back for Rocky Four. Fuck yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. In a song? You don't remember it. Do you know what? I was Because I, I, I learned guitar. I learned guitar when I was in my teens. And, you know, I learned some things quite enthusiastically, you know, like Switch Out of Mine and yeah. stuff like that. And you're at house parties. No one gives a shit. <laughs> exactly. Remember, you start going, dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. They're like, fuck, you can play that song. I'm like, well, I can play this intro, but <laughs> it was like that really blew people's minds. Uh, Rocky Four, No Easy Way Out by Robert Tepper. Amazing song. Mm. And we've talked about Queen. They've weirdly, and I just think that they got this instantly perfect. They wrote a song called We Are The Champions, which means it's really the only song you can play in a kid's movie when mm. you've won the championship. <laughs> it's not as if they're going to play Rude Sandstorm, <laughs> is it? No. <laughs> What about a bit of Roy Orbison, Pretty Woman? Bum, 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 Pretty Woman. The problem with Pretty Woman is it's called Pretty Woman. And there was a film called Pretty Woman with a song, Pretty Woman, famed in. One of them's a really nice song. The other one is about a prostitute, <laughs> a Disney princess that, that has sex for money and is somehow romantic comedy. Well, 
Yeah. I'm not going to defend the movie Pretty Woman, but I will say I the actually quite, yeah. quite enjoy the song. Yeah, it's a, it's a good song, yeah. Um, it should have been in a better film. Maybe about some sort of pretty woman <laughs> who, who didn't sell her wares or something like that. Now I'm not having a go. The she oldest profession. That, okay. It, apparently it so is. So slavery. <laughs> where's, where's the pretty woman? <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with I this. don't know. I'm going to move on to Tiny Dancer, <laughs> almost famous. Surely Elton John's biggest hit. Oh, I did Rocket Man. There you go. Rocket Man. Yeah. Also, a bit disappointed Rocket Man doesn't play in The Rock when he quotes The Rock. Fires him off into space. Also, that f- would have been cool actually if, if as Tony Todd is slow mode out the window of it Rocky with the rock. <laughs> or the only thing that doesn't make any sense is they didn't understand the character in the rock because because he's because they say he's a Beatles fan. Now it would have been better if he's like, you're the yellow submarine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do I do mean because the he doesn't of- get music and he's not badass. So yeah. Weirdly would have fitted Stanley Good. Stanley Godspeed's character more if he got the if he got the song wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do think the Mister Zeno that way. Tony Todd's been ejected out of the building, and you've got Rocket Man going. And I know I think Ed Harris is dead in the movie by this point. Yeah, but if it just went, to the, he just looked and went twat. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't see that coming? Rocket guy. <laughs> um, Dropkick Murphys. Oh, shipping up to Boston. Departed. Yeah. yeah. That's a song that when it comes on at a house party and you're drinking. You're going to smash that Yeah, you, you're going <laughs> to. Let's find an Irish bar. <laughs> what, what I love about this is, this is um, Jump Around, but if Jump Around's PG-13, this is fucking R-rated. This is like, no, 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 we can't afford Dropkick Murphys. We need the other one. We need the other song. Not Jump Around, the other one. Mm. I tell you, also... If we're going to go down this route as well, we talked about obviously get the use of Gary Glitter's music in uh, in the Joker. Now a lot of the crimes have. of Gary Glitter at this point are already known, and they still use that song. Yeah. But imagine being the guy who was like, "Fucking, we've got a hit on our hands here, right? We've got Bill Murray, yeah, in an animated basketball movie. R. Oh, Kelly's no. going to do. R. <laughs> Kelly's going to sing. I believe I can fly. Do you, do you know what the worst thing about that entire <laughs> thing was? I didn't like that song. And it was it was everywhere. It was fucking. It was like syphilis in the air. It was everywhere. It's like you'd be walking down the street and some prick would be humming it. You went to the cinema to go see fucking Space Jam. Be oh, you checking if the Space Jam website still up? I I, I I checked two days ago. It is still up. It is that's still the, up. That's the longest recurring joke we've got in this podcast. Um, not the remake or the redoing. The original Space Jam website that was set up for Michael Jordan's 1992 film, 994? Six, I think. Nice, fuck me. It's been opposite. <laughs> there is a. You can't buy anything. I've tried to buy t shirts off the website. <laughs> they did move it temporarily. Poor shit. When the new Space Jam movie came out, because they wanted spacejam.com for the new uh, movie. But they've replaced uh, but it's it. It's now right back now. to yeah, its original uh, website. They say if Radio 2 ever goes off the air, it means that Britain's at war. If if the Space Jam website goes, I assume we've been invaded by aliens and it's time to panic. <laughs> how many how many school discos did you go to? Unfortunately, many. Where I've had the time of my life came on. Yeah, ironically. And someone thought, I can lift you up. 
Never, never worked out. <laughs> no. But Dirty Dancing, a film where recently I read an article oh, about damn. how actually the parents are in the right about this. It's like Patrick Swayze is coming like, on to like an underage girl. Yeah. I think the parents have got something to go on. Yeah. Um, they probably should have put baby in the corner. Should have put baby in the prison. That's what they should have done. But um, they don't yeah. even hide it. He's I'm openly a- trying to bang it. It's weird. Yeah. Footloose, Kevin Bacon. There you go. Fucking, that's a brilliant song. He's he's brilliant song. <laughs> Great use of his song. I had to move away from him at the time. I was as quick as I could. <laughs> because even even the lyrics are problematic. <laughs> Full loose as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck me. Um. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I suppose going down that route as well. Then of the of the indie soundtracks. I mean, Garden State has about going going back to Colin Hayes. You know, who I discovered from from Scrubs, but Garden State was you know indie movies do tend to have those really cool quirky it's, soundtracks. It's because that's the first time we get to experience that medium. Um, so there are so there's a famous band on there. Actually, I don't think they're that famous. Um, I apologise. I got through a lot of music from listening to the soundtrack of this. Um, it's the scene where he add where they share earpods. Mm-hmm. and I believe it's called The Shins, New Strike, or something like that. I can't remember. It's been ages since I've seen it. I fell in love with their band of music. Like mm. I got all their albums based on this one listen. So I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. But one album, I loved it. Oh, my second album, loved it. Great songs that I will have never heard because it's the only time I've ever heard of them. It's Music's a magical thing that always evolves into something else, and that's something that's cool. It's a lot like film as well. It's creative medium. It's mm. people going the distance. There are indie films out there now um, that go to online and ask, oh, can we put you in this? And you get you get experience to music you've never heard before. Mm. If someone's taking a chance, someone can't afford to buy the license for fucking ADCD. ACDC. I butchered that, didn't I? <laughs> and they have to go somewhere else. And I think that's really yeah. cool. So by supporting independent films, you're even supporting individual music makers. Mm. You're getting their music out of it. It's, it's a phenomenal, beautiful cycle of creativity that we actually don't give enough credit for. You know, if something's bad, I'll sit here and I'll go, that was shit, that was bad. But in reality... It still drives something good. And I would rather live in a world where people are creative and, and trying new things than getting the same shit on the Ant-Man every fucking mm. day. I've soured on Ant-Man more. See, I, I, yeah, I didn't... I'm going to go watch that, actually. I think. Yeah. I'm going to go see it. Um, another one growing up to me was Dude Looks Like a Lady used in Mr. Outfire. Yeah. You know, it, which it's is... One of those songs perfectly explains what's going on. It's on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's, it's on like, the nose. Dude looks like a lady. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Much like Where Is My Mind <laughs> in Fight Club, the Pixies song. <laughs> if you've gone out for a piss and you've missed this bit, you're just like, the song plays, you're like, oh, is that wrong with it? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Cheers, music. <laughs> I, did, I still I still like the montage scene where he's like, he's trying on the different women's suits and outfits. What I don't understand is about that. What I don't understand about that is... is He's already had the phone interview and he's made himself sound like an old woman. Yeah. So why do they dress up in like young women's clothing and he mm. does a different voice? It's weird. Know your audience. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't maybe doesn't age well as well, because there's that bit as well where, it, where he says, you know, I, I don't do I don't do the males because I used to be one. You yes. know, which I suppose now would be a transphobic, mm. you know, slur. And and but um Mr. Outfire, that scene, dude looks like a lady. How much more on the nose do you need, you know, for a song? Never ending story in the in the film Never Ending Story. You couldn't really use it in any other film by this point. Um, don't want to miss a thing. Keeping on the Aerosmith. Oh my train. god! I'm glad we were talking about weird incest family things. Right, that's yeah. good. Yeah, glad someone mentioned it. Yeah, really lowered the tone in the last ten minutes, haven't I? Yeah, 
But I, I don't want to miss a thing. It was fucking everywhere. It was. And also, I don't like that song either. But I don't like that song, not because of the song. I don't like that song because it's playing while his actual door mm. is being railed by Batman. <laughs> ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> it's, do you know what? It's not. It, it, it's a fine song. Mm. It's okay. That's the uh, problem with it. But you're right. It was everywhere. Yeah. Masulu, Pulp Fiction again. You, you know, you can't use that. Um, it's the Pulp Fiction song, isn't it? A lot. Yeah. Of, the problem is as well when these songs get too infused, it's kind of like they lose the meaning. They become, oh, that's the song. That's that's the song from Pulp Fiction. That's the Pulp Fiction song. Oh, that's Tarantino's band. He always uses them in. Mm. Yeah, which I it, guess you can always like about Tarantino because Tarantino rarely does modern day films. So all his music's from the seventies, and that's pretty cool. That it kind of gives. It kind of gives life to songs that maybe we've forgotten about because that's what I really like about going back to Guardians of the Galaxy. It's what I really like going back to and listening to these songs from the eighties or sometimes like the sixties. They're songs that I've forgotten or never heard before, and it's given them a new life on my playlist. So that's cool. Thank you. The what Tarantino has also done is he's used music that then it's then parodied. Yeah. So if you think of in Kill Bill, Uzo Ren. Uh, the the Ren music, you know, bam, 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 was yeah. like a a soundtrack for someone making an entrance that was then like parodied in Kung Fu Panda. Full circle, we've gone back to Kung Fu Panda. Oh, thank God, Dustin Hoffman's great as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, but then if you look at things like Shrek using the immigration song by Led Zeppelin, was also using School of Rock. Oh my God, you, you nearly got punched in the face. I went Jack man. Black there. You see, I went, I went Kung Fu Panda. I genuinely thought you were about to say All Stars. I was going to punch you in the face. Fuck off. <laughs> What, Smack Mouth All-Stars? Oh. End of Rat Race? They're even in the film, oh, James. Right, then, I, yeah. That's what, do you remember when they were big enough to be in, like, a, like oh my God, it's yeah. Smash Mouth. Wow, that was a wild three months when yeah. they were popular, wasn't it? That made that song still popular. <laughs> They're still going strong. Can you remember Rat Race? What, what weird film that was. I don't understand how they got Rowan Atkinson to sign up for it because Rowan Atkinson gets accused of a lot of shit in that film. And yeah. he's like, he steals a baby. <laughs> Fuck, it's weird. If you it's look at the cast of that scene. film, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, Cuba Gooden Jr., John Cleese, you've got uh, Seth Green, you've got Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. It's pretty... You had that... Who was that guy? Brendan Mayers or whatever. He was in Road that, Trip. I was going to say, you mean that guy that had a career when he was like 23, 24, he in, then he died? He didn't die, did he? No, his career did. Oh, he did, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, because he was in like one of the Freddy Krueger movies. I think he got pulled into the video game whenever that happened. <laughs> You know when Freddy Krueger like the death started getting really ridiculous. Yeah, when he turned them, when he turned them into a pizza. Yeah, them. yeah I, I'm one. pretty sure he got pulled into a video <laughs> game, can, and then Freddy Krueger's playing the video I, game and kills him. I can pinpoint the exact moment when that franchise died. It's when he turned them into a pizza and he ate them. <laughs> no, Dr Freddy Krueger Free Dream Warriors, which had its I think anniversary this week. I think it's in that one. Is that that one? I'm sure, mate. Is it? There's a really obvious thing from going from when he literally rips the limbs out of people and uses them as puppeteers, which yeah, is like that's one that of the most gruesome yeah, deaths yeah. ever. You, he pulls the tendons out of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's when it went. That's when it went. Like I had his most awesome <laughs> death, but at the other time went batshit crazy. <laughs> that film though, there's a fucking scene in that. It's brilliant. It's so good. There's a there's a there's a bit of a nerdy kid in it, and he's like, he he falls asleep, and they know Freddy Krueger by this point. Mm. They're in the asylum, aren't they? And like a lot of the kids like cut their eyelids off and stuff so they don't fall asleep. <laughs> I wonder and, why they're in this fucking mental. And, and he goes, I think it's the Patricia Arquette one, isn't it? It is. And he goes, uh, I think he is. Yeah. He goes, We're in a dream. In a dream, I could be anything. I'm a wizard. And he turns into a wizard. And then Freddy Krueger's like, Use magic on these blades, bitch. <laughs> Just like shanks him. And you're like, You could have been anything in your dream. <laughs> like, why didn't you like have a lightsaber or a steamroller 
or wake up. What would <laughs> you, you know? be if you were a dream warrior? I would be someone else in there. I'd be Wolverine. So I, I'd be you. <laughs> <laughs> because not only would that freak you out, but Freddie would be like, which, yeah. <laughs> which, which one are you? And so I, I don't turn you into a pizza for a while. He'd yeah. ignore me because he'd be like, where's James gone? He must be one of the other ones. I'd, I'd, or a plan and hide. <laughs> Just like it be anything I want in a dream. I'll be a plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll be invisible. I'll be invincible. Thank you. I'll see you later. I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, it really didn't. I'll be always behind you. It really didn't use his potential of his imagination. That, yeah. You know, or just drown him. Like in, in, you're a teenage kid. Just like whatever fucked up shit is in your head. Just think that somebody walks in and goes, "No, yeah, not for me." Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, we've rattled off loads of examples there, but no doubt there's um, some that we that, that we haven't had a chance to talk about. I think of 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 latter years, I've really enjoyed the Guardian soundtracks yes. and going into those James Gunn and Edgar Wright, Zach Braff. There are filmmakers and directors that I think that you go to watch their work because the soundtrack is so integral to the the art as well. And I suppose the question I wanted to ask is, is it I suppose are there certain songs and scenes that can ruin a film because it takes you too much do, if a famous song gets played like you figure something that's insanely famous I mean we've talked about James Bond and the fact that they have some great opening <clears throat> songs nowadays yeah. <clears throat> it you know it's it's so risky that a song can take you out of a film if it doesn't hit the note correctly yeah that it's such a risk but at the same time when it works, it works brilliantly. What's with Bond is a perfect example because the Bond because it's both of the worlds. We've got the Bond theme. The Bond theme changes sometimes, but you know they'll change the sting or the pitch. But ultimately, it's the same. We know what we're going to get, and it's it's fantastic. We didn't mention it, and we should have done because it's phenomenal. It's a great scene and survived what seems like a hundred million years, and it's still the same tune. But we, as an audience, because we're told it's a Bond song, give more of a shit about it, whereas. Fucking Adele's, Adele's one Skyfall. Mm. Skyfall's a phenomenal film, but Sky, but Skyfall's song to me felt bigger because it was the only fucking thing people were talking about. Yeah, Adele was on a a rise to yeah. stardom at that point. Actually, it? that's probably a bad example because Skyfall was good. Um, the writing's on the wall. Is that Spectre? Is Sam? Is it Sam Smith? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that song. I don't like. I think Spectre was actually a letdown, and the song kind of promised greatness. Does that make sense? When I listen to the song, I get hyped up for Spectre, knowing that I'm not going to actually enjoy the film as much as the song has let me down. So it is a cursed chalice. The song gets me pumped up for a film I know is going to let me down. So I always, two minutes after the opening credits, feel like I've been let down. Like, yeah. you fucker, Sam Smith, you've done it again. Um, Yellow Flick B by Lord using the Hunger Games. I think it was the second Hunger Game movie. Mm. That was another one of those where I was like, it's really weird because it's a, it's a new and upcoming artist you know, writing the soundtrack for it, the kind of opening credit music that doesn't fit in that world. You couldn't put that song in the film, but it worked. It was a, it was like a, it was a good tune that, that perfectly, I think, hit the, hit the, I suppose the theme or the, the feel of the movie, it hit the feel of what you were about to go in and watch. Yeah. You know, it, sounded, it, it was grand, it was epic, it built, you know, but it was also simple. Um, I, I, Yeah, that was a standout for me. I always thought that was a really, really good um but then, I, for me, there's all these blurry ones, you know, like the Notting Hill soundtracks and the Four Wedding soundtracks, and you know, oh, they, I, I think they're too samely. They they jumble into each yeah. other. Or maybe it's because we those songs have made us learn to hate wet wet wet. 
Maybe. Yeah, we as British people, we will murder wet, wet, wet. Because we had to listen to them being number one for what seems like 15 years. So fuck him. Yeah, with a cover. A cover of a Beatles song. Again, you look at, uh, uh, you know, the you know Beatles used in, in in film as well. You look at a film like I Am Sam, which is integral to the character. You know, if you look at it in, um, what was that with Danny Boyle one? I always get that name wrong. I don't know. The, the new one where everyone forgets who the Beatles are. And... Oh, um, yes, yesterday. Is it just for yesterday? Yeah, it's just called yesterday. Oh, right, with that. That one. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That was all right. Yeah. I liked it. We didn't even go into all the Beatles movies. <laughs> and all that's, the, all that's the... a review. <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. All it. the Elvis <laughs> movies and all the other ones that we probably could have gone into. What, my, you know, obviously. My parents saw... There you go. My parents saw the Elvis movie. I saw them today on my, on my route to here. Uh, they liked it. There oh, you go. I'll I said, take that to I the said, bank. I said, rise a review. And they went, yeah, we liked it, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very Indistinguishable good. sometimes. And they said not to, um, doesn't like fluff up the image. It tells you that a harsh, honest truth. And apparently Tom Hanks, bit of a dick in it. Yeah, they, they've said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've watched this really interesting interview with Austin Butler recently where he's talking about Tom Hanks. And uh, Tom Hanks was like, said, oh, I'm nervous. And then Austin Butler was like, yeah, but you're playing someone who the world doesn't know what he sounded like. I'm playing the person that everyone knows what yeah, he sounds yeah. like. I'm the one who should be nervous. I do like how Austin Butler's voice has changed since being in Elvis as well. You see him on the red carpet beforehand and he's all like, hi, MTV. <laughs> and now he's like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm Austin Butler and this is my voice now. It's all a bit corny, isn't it? <laughs> I th- I, th- these are the episodes that I fear the most in that you think, how have I fucking forgot? <laughs> About like this Beastie thing. Boys sabotage in that movie, you know, or whatever it is. Oh, but we've got great fans out there. They'll let us know in a very nice way, like we were told last week. We'll have missed some. Get in touch. Let us know what you thought. Yeah, do let us know. That's why we're here. Speaking of Tom Hanks being an arsehole, <laughs> saw a film this week called A Man Called Otto. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you don't know about this, it's Tom Hanks. You might have seen it because it gave a bit of like trailer fodder mate it seemed to be a bit of everywhere Tom Hanks playing a, a gnarly old man mm. who's not happy with the lot in life bit of a curmudgeon now, you know, it's fair to say that's curmudgeon. what he is curmudgeon now if you're expecting Gran Torino you'll be disappointed it's funny because that's the first film that came to my head if you were thinking about the t- like the TV series that Rick Gervais has just completed on Netflix called Afterlife, mm. it's PG version of that. Very unsettled with a lot in his life. Without going into any spoilers. Dennis wh- the Menace's next door neighbour. Davis the neighbours, yes, his yeah. next door neighbour. But slightly turned up. Mm. New family move in. She's pregnant. The dad is kind of hapless, but lovable hapless. He's not an, an idiot. He just doesn't know how to drive stick or he can't reverse the car properly. Not very handy around there. Call house. yourself a man. He gets interrupted constantly as he's about to kill himself. Oh. <laughs> so it's really dark. And I'll tell you what, the biggest problem I've got with Tom Hanks is I've, always, I've said this, I've gone back to episode two and I said this. I, I He doesn't, I will never consider him one. I like him. I'll never consider him a great because he doesn't take risks. Mm. Robert De Niro once acted in Rocky and Bullwinkle. So whilst it wasn't his greatest achievement, he fucking tried. He was like, I'll give this a go. I think it was Tom Hanks plays it safe to the chest. And I never respected that about him. Yeah. I did not see this performance coming. On a Saturday morning at something like 10 o'clock, I was not ready to feel. And he took me on a journey. And got you Tom, in the feels. Tom, he got me in the feels. I loved his journey. It is a PG version of Afterlife. I loved Afterlife. It's not as funny. There's elements of the story that could happen to you that are so horrible he's they had a friend they had a falling out his friend felt felt very ill 
fell very ill and is now not comatose, but locked in his body, like a lock-in syndrome type of thing. And he goes to see him every day. But in his head, because I never like got it out in the open, they're actually still enemies. So he mm. goes to see him in a weird way. It does, The writing's not great, but Tom Hanks is spectacular. There's a scene where he becomes viral. I don't think it's that much of a spoiler. I think I can get into it. He's waiting for a train as one falls on the tracks. And this really pissed me off. Every character gets their phone out and they start screaming, quickly, get a video, get a video. This man's about to be hit by a train. And Otto is the only one that goes onto the tracks after having a go. Because why are you just recording? Go help him. Jumps onto the track and picks him up and gets him over the edge. And but, and maybe I'm completely off base here as a generational thing. That wouldn't happen. For fuck's sake, we wouldn't just videotape this man get fucking railed by a train. I hated that side of thing. This kind of like Gen Z type thing going against Otto. But... You take away those crappy bits that happen quite a lot. You've got a very enjoyable story here. And Tom Hanks, yes, he tries something different and a, a fair play to him. It worked quite well. We're not talking about the best film in the world. He's great. He's got great chemistry. Uh, a man called Otto, is, if it's in a cinema, I would say give it a go. He, I think you'll like it. Yeah, it's on my list. It's on my list. It's my Hanks radar was going off this week. I think it's more, if, when it comes out onto streaming TV though, probably that's when to see it, mate. This isn't a film like where I'm going to tell you Drop a kid off because it's worth the entry mm. price and, you know, a night free. It's not that. Yeah, yeah. But when it's on streaming, mate. And that's the thing. That I think those movies are getting more uh, risky in cinema, aren't they? You know, the Tom Hanks movies that are not drawing in big crowds. You know, mm. we've, we've heard there's rumours of a Toy Story 5, you know, in the works. But, you know, it, these films maybe soon will start going straight to streaming because, yeah, the, you know, they'll, they'll cut the losses on the amount of... Um, time that they need to rent out of cinemas do you feel like the cinema and I don't want to think that but I do think maybe in every generation something else happens and we, it changes how we consume media I've been to the cinema quite a few times that it's not filling out it's not busy mm. some big films coming out at the minute you know mm. I, I don't think people are going to draw in there's there's big chains filing for bankruptcy man. I don't really know how they're going to get out of it people have decided after the COVID to not go back mm. and weirdly it probably will be an Avengers film to kind of like restart they need that big thing but I well, don't they Maverick didn't they I think they're saying mm. that was the, the saving but I did love Maverick yeah. and I'm glad I saw that at the cinema I saw a film this week that I'm just going to very briefly talk about um, and it segues nicely because you talked about uh, Afterlife um, of which the screenplay and actor David Earl is in that show he's the bearded uh crappy comedian in it you know the one who wants to do stand up but his jokes are yes. awful um, oh wait I've seen this but he kind of plays the same character yeah I've seen yeah. the trailer for it so yeah. that's what I meant yeah um, so it's, it's a movie called Brian and Charles um, this now on Now TV or Sky Cinema if you've got it um, so yeah David Earl is in a lot of Ricky Gervais's work um, you know bearded kind of wears big thick glasses loser um, <laughs> normally that's the kind of role yeah. that he plays in this he, he plays Brian who's he's an inventor in a rural part of Wales and for some reason, he's got like a film crew following him. So it's it's kind of documentary because he talks to the camera yeah. and you do hear off camera talk of like people kind of correcting him or asking a question, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, he's he's got no friends and uh, but no one in the town dislikes him. He's just very lonely, lives hmm. just on the outskirts. And then one day he builds a robot because he finds a, a mannequin and some fly tips are like a head. And it gives him the idea to try and build one out. And it's a really clunky looking robot. Like it's a washing machine for a body <laughs> with a big oversized kind of shirt on it. 
Um, and, but it works. And Charles is the robot that when he wakes up, he's, uh, you know, he comes to life. He's very articulate. He reads the dictionary overnight and, um, you know, not posh, but very kind of well-spoken. And the two develop just this really quirky, odd relationship, um, friendship out of the two of them where... He teaches him how to play darts and all this kind of stuff. But then it becomes a bit like Frankenstein's monster where he's like, I need a mate. I need to get out and explore. I need to leave the house and go into the village. Of course, Brian doesn't want that. And it's a 90 minute, nothing really happens. There's no big cliffhanger at the end. There's something, there is an event that draws the conclusion, but it's very much just a pot that's simmering all the way through it. You know, that it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, like Charles is like, I want to go to town now, Brian. And he's like, no, stay here. Let's have some cabbage. You know, it's that kind of like, indie comedy um quirky f- film that was really pleasing i enjoyed it for 90 minutes i laughed a few times out loud um and it's it's surreal as well at the end of it how it ends is like it's, do you remember how um wallace and gromit ended uh, by giving the oven uh, some skis yes. and the final scene was them leaving the moon when all he wanted was a friend but then they look out the window and he's just skiing <laughs> Yeah, it's alone. that kind of ending. <laughs> it's that is that kind of like, oh, that's how we're ending it, is it? <laughs> but Brian and Charles, I won't rush out to see it. But if you're into your indie movies and you want a film that is, you know, quite odd and unique and something that's going to uh, be a good talking point with um, film fans, you know, it, 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 I'd, I'd recommend Brian and Charles as a harmless ninety minute indie comedy. Uh, and if you, particularly if you like David Earl's kind of style of comedy, that very dry, um, you, you know, he plays the loof kind mm. of character it, it is pretty good um, that's our show for this week Do as James has already said let us know uh, what your favourite use of um, music is in a film not scores you know obviously uh, recorded uh, soundtracks jukebox movies essentially is what we're looking for mm. um, like I say we've do you know, I can't believe we didn't talk as much about bat dancing I know you referenced the 89 Batman movie yeah but again that Joker scene in the museum I love Prince but that's an example of, I don't think that soundtrack works with that film. It doesn't. It does when I put the Bat Dance album on. and yes, I listen but you're to not the, watching the but film. But when I'm watching no. the film and I'm watching the Joker, it like... It takes you out. It yeah, does take you out. When I'm watching him goof around in a museum painting all the, like, the, the paintings and stuff, I don't need Prince playing over the... T- Do you know what I mean? Like, I need something sinister, you know. To, <laughs> not- I think what they're going for is, <clears throat> it's so, so awesome that he's just listening... <laughs> It's like, it's so not menacing, it's menacing, mm. but they've picked a song that's not, it's not like Darude Sandstorm. It's not. It's not. It's not. And we didn't even talk about Moonraker with Michael Jackson, for obvious reasons. <laughs> do you remember when we first started this podcast, we were going to do that as one of the episodes. Fucking, I'm never doing that. I'm never doing that. This that's, is the only- Episode 300 coming up. This is the only funny part about it. At the end, he turns into a Transformer and kills Joe Pesci. You can't believe end. it. You can't believe it. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Um, yeah I mean that's our show for this week do let us know like I said we only scratched the surface and probably talked about the big hitters but do let us know your favourite use of music and film thanks as always to those that do write in uh, you know really really helps uh, we, we love you we've got mm. some ideas from Scott Alex Jerry they're all mm. people that message that they've got ideas and, and we'll work on them yeah and the next episode is going to be on Scream Yes, the, the 1996, 1996 movie. Uh, obviously celebrating the fact that we do have Scream 6, 7, 20, Six. whatever it is coming out soon. So we're going to look at the 1996 movie Scream and then some of the sequels. So that's next week's show. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>